This is The Wolf of Pod Street with Tim Bakeless. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Wolf of Pod Street podcast. I'm Tim Fakeless, and with us today uh, from the Star Tribune, the Timberwolves beat writer since, well, I think, 2018, uh, Chris yeah. Hine. Did I get it right? Yes, yes. The, the, Tib- the Tibbs Butler blow up year, yes. <laughs> what a year to start that was. Uh, and still have PTSD from it. <laughs> that, that was the year I stopped covering games. So I'm not <laughs> saying that's why, I'm just saying. Also with us, sideline reporter. Host of Wolves Plus, Fox Sports North, Jack of All Trades, Marnie Gellner. Uh, thank you so much to both of you for coming on. Actually, Jackie of All Trades, ja- and for sure, Master of None. <laughs> Jackie of All Trades, of course. My mistake. Uh, Marnie, I wanted to start with you. So today's episode, we're talking about rookies. And... You've been with the team since I did a little research and correct me if I'm wrong, since 2002, I've been covering the team since Mm -hmm. 2002. Okay. So you've seen your fair share of rookies, although I think O2 was one of those Joe Smith, uh, no draft pick rule years or whatever have you, but you've seen your fair share of rookies. Uh, I don't think I'm taking too big of a leap by saying Anthony Edwards in terms of personality hype uh, the way he plays, the things he says, a very unique individual, a unique personality and a unique player. Mm-hmm. And when he came into the NBA, there were a lot of doubters uh, just over the whether or not he liked basketball, over whether or not um, he was going to be a Wiggins 2.0. I think people had fears about yeah. that. And I think a lot of people felt a lot better about Ant after your interview with him on Wolves Plus. Uh, did Can you talk about that conversation? Because that, that conversation, I feel like, is going to live on in Ant's career as long as he's in Minnesota. Uh, is, yeah. what, what takeaways did you have from that initial conversation that maybe you didn't know about him already? <clears throat> I... I had no idea what to expect. And the show was totally new. We had done one episode with Gerson Rosas that morning and it was basketball related. It was, how do you see this combination working? How do you want to play this way? And it was, it was not personality. So then it was like, that was nine in the morning. We taped a Gerson one. And then at four in the afternoon, we taped Anthony Edwards on media day, which was the first day that any of us had any interaction with a player and it was over Zoom. I had never met him. I had never even heard interviews from him. I had read some and I think that might, the one thing that might be the worst thing that Anthony Edwards ever did by no fault of his own was give a quote to, was it SI? About, I don't really like basketball that much or something like that. Right. But that's all we had. We didn't have any other info from him we just didn't really know him so when he walked in to do this wolves plus and i never met him had nothing to go on i didn't know was he going to be long-winded short um so we spent it took probably a good 35 minutes the the show itself is like 26 with commercials but we probably went like 33 or whatever the full audio is on the podcast and there were so many times where i was just like what 
That was my reaction. Cause I was, I'm like, is he, is he messing with me? Is he serious? Is he, I had no idea. Cause I didn't know how to take him. Like when I asked him about getting dogs during quarantine and he was like, well, I was either going to be dogs or lions, but I just didn't have the house for lions. I was like, did, did anybody, can I, am I the only one that can hear this or did, so um, as it turns out, he was dead serious about all of it. And it was just him. It was just like stream of consciousness. At one point at about like the, I don't know, 15 minute mark, he leans back and gives a huge yawn. And we ended up cutting that part out of the, the TV version. And I called him out on it because I didn't know again, is he playing with me? Is he just fooling? I'm like, did you just yawn? He's like, no, uh, what? <laughs> so it, I was left um, in this massive confusion just about what just happened. And it isn't until subsequent interviews and more time with him that I kind of am able to soak in this, this unbelievably unique personality. And it's all real. It's all 100% genuine. So yes, that was my first experience with Ant on day one of us being able to even talk to anyone. We sat down and did a half hour show and it was something. Well, I you might it. say you might say he was a one from day one, Marnie. You might say there's a cleanup on aisle three, yo. <laughs> uh, I want to go back and watch that after this now, uh, Chris. Since uh, since draft night, I, I think there were at least I had no idea who they were going to take. It the, unlike most drafts, it was very unclear who the first pick was going to be. Since then. Uh, we're in March now, and LaMelo Ball looks like it's, he's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year at this point. Anthony Edwards, still having a good rookie year, seems to be on track to do to do things in the league, to have a good career in the league, um, and maybe more. Covering him this year, seeing him go through the, the lack of training camp, go through a coaching change, go through being a rookie in the middle of a pandemic, go through having to be thrust into the starting line because of injuries, to have Cat be out, like all of these obstacles. Uh, what's it been like covering a guy with as much potential as him, just with everything that he's had to overcome? How do you think he's handled it so far? Yeah, you know, he's always going to get compared to LaMelo in that sense. And, and LaMelo, you know, played professional basketball before mm -hmm. this. And so right. I think you know, LaMelo coming into the league had a, had a bit of a leg up on Anthony and Anthony also reclassified, uh, you know, he could be in college still right now, potentially, but he's, he's playing in the NBA. So I think you also have to factor in those two, especially when you're in a pandemic affected season with very little training camp with very little practice time. So having some kind of higher level of competition, I think is, is more beneficial to LaMelo. I think, you know, just watching the wolves night in and night out, this is not a – people are going to criticize the shooting numbers, but I, this is not like a lost cause or anything like that. You see the talent. You see the potential on a night-in and night-out basis. He's – I feel more confident that he's going to put it all together eventually than he's going to get frustrated and, and become a bust in that sense. He, the His ability to drive to the basket right now is is something special. His athleticism, the dunks that he has are, <laughs> I mean, it, it may be in normal times, maybe he's in the dunk contest, uh, you know, this year and, and maybe in future years he will be. I hope he, I hope he is. Uh, he could probably single-handedly save the dunk contest <laughs> in future years. Um, 
it's it's been it's been an experience. I, I I do wish just because of how of how engaging and and his personality, I do wish that we had the ability to just kind of shoot the breeze with him in the locker room mm-hmm. and see what kind of interactions we we get. And um, you know, Zoom interviews are are can be sometimes awkward and difficult, and you know, connection internet connection issues and. You know, people can't find the 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 unmute button like me sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do wish we had that. But it, it, it's been it's been fun to see him learn the ropes of the NBA. Um, he, you could you could tell that he 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 processes the game at a high level. He 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 thinks about it. He digests it. And you know, it, it's been fun to to hear him talk about Ricky Rubio and Ricky Rubio talk about him, mm-hmm. especially in recent days and kind of the relationship between veteran and rookie, uh, you know, and just kind of how they, how they've helped each other out during this season. I, and I'm going to just ahead. jump in real quick because mm-hmm. to that point, Chris, I think that when you have a number one pick who is as insanely confident as Ant is, sometimes that rookie vet doesn't work all that well because yeah. Anthony Edward could, could look at Ruby and be like, where were you drafted? Where are your MVPs? Where are your championships? Who are you to tell me anything? Right. But yet Ant is like, Ricky, tell me stuff. And I think yeah. his willingness to want that is huge. I think that's, I think it's also, you know, it can be refreshing in a day and age where guys might come into the league a little bit overconfident and that, that he has that willingness to, to learn, I think is a, is a big attribute for him. Even in Saturday's game against Houston, I don't, I don't know if anyone confirmed it, but there was a point at the end of the game when a defensive three seconds got called on it, and Robert Covington seemed to be giving him some advice about how to get out of the lane, and he was just absorbing it. Even before he was, uh, even before he had declared for the draft, there's an interview of a YouTube video with him with Mike Schmitz, who does a whole bunch of draft stuff for ESPN, who, not even a player, is sitting there with him. Hey, I think you need to do this. Hey, I think you could work on this. And he's just absorbing it. Like, yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep. I agree. He's he's a total sponge, and I think that's a that's a huge plus for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as um, just in addition to all of the players that have been giving him advice, he obviously has a, a rotating coaching staff. I guess we'll call it over the last couple of years. He had Tom Kareen last year, uh, Ryan Saunders to start the year, and now Chris Finch. Uh, who, I, I mean, I've heard stuff about how he wants to, he's kind of putting percentages between three pointers and driving to the basket. How Marnie, how is he taking that so far? And how do you think it's gone so far with Ant uh, specifically trying to adjust his game, trying to adjust the way that he takes shots? Well, Chris Finch, used a two thirds, one thirds, um, for what he would prefer two thirds of ants shots be driving to the rim. One third be jump shot, three pointer whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how you argue with that. And I remember when it was like, maybe, maybe a week ago, maybe not even quite. Oh yeah. We were on all-star break. So no, but mm-hmm. when somebody asked ant about that specifically, he kind he wasn't defiant, but he was like, man, I I love my jump shot. I got a good jump shot and it's not falling right now, but when it does look out. So he was almost like he took it as an insult, like that two thirds of my shots should be driving to the rim rather than seeing like when he starts, as Chris said earlier, the way he can drive to 
and get past guys and around guys, it's incredible, especially for a rookie when he's only going to get better. He has such natural ability. I don't know how anyone could argue with the fact that that should be the biggest part of his game. And then when the, sh- you know, a few shots a game from the outside, especially when it's on, then you do a few more. And I think one of his biggest weaknesses is the instant heat check. He makes one shot from the outside and it's like, give me the ball, give me the ball. I got to put up another. And so I think once he gets past that and doesn't see it as an insult or someone challenging his ability to make outside shots, when he goes, oh yeah, that's how I can actually dominate this freaking game. Then I think we'll see an entirely different level of Ant because that kind of surprised me. I don't know, Chris, if you remember the Zoom call and he wasn't, he wasn't mad. He wasn't, it just surprised me in his answer. He wasn't like, yeah, I got to do that. I got to work on it. He was more like, I got a great jump shot. It's going to fall pretty soon. And I love the confidence, but there was like a little more balance and you'll be good. I, I like the confidence. It, it, it's almost like I don't want to say people are disrespecting his jump shot, but but even even in the last night's game against Portland, in the first half there was clearly a, an ins, a, a, you could hear from Portland's bench one of the assistants or somebody yelling under under Here. for Portland to go under the screen, and Ant took the long jumper and he made it, and he comes back down and kind of gave the gave the bench a, a little look, and then I think he proceeded on the next two possessions to take jumpers that he missed. To your point about the about the instant heat check. Um, so, so yeah, he's, he's determined to make the jumper work, which is a good thing. I, I think, I think it's a, a better thing that he has that attitude than, than is someone who's just going to shut it down and shy away from taking those shots because they're not falling and, and loses confidence in his jumper. So I, I think I would, I would rather see that for his long-term potential yeah. that he's going to keep gunning it. Um, one thing that I think is going to be interesting to watch is, is he said, you know, if, if defenses are giving me the jump shot, I'm going to take the jump shot. Um, well, the thing is, they're probably going to give him the jump shots. They, they want him to take that shot. So if, if he sees guys are laying off him or, or going under screens like that and he's taking the shot, he might be playing into their hands a little bit. And I'm wondering, you know, kind of how does he make that adjustment? What does the coaching staff tell him about about all, maybe always taking that shot when they go under screens or back off him. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how he adjusts to the to the cat and mouse game of how NBA defenses want to want to plan for him. And I just don't know how you can do that in season during your rookie year when there's COVID. Like they just how can you stop to absorb things? It's got to be an off season. Mm-hmm progression yeah. and a season to season because things are just happening so fast, including the schedule. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's every other day and then some. So I just, as a rookie, I just don't know how you can take it all in. Yeah. And just make an adjustment like that on the fly to the way that you've been playing probably since you were a small kid, right? Like as almost every NBA player, most the overwhelming majority uh, enter the league being the guy on every prior team they've ever been on. And for the most part has been because of injuries as a big part of it, like a top two or three shot taker, even still on the Timberwolves this year. And this has got to be the first time that a coach has told him, let's fix what you're doing. Let's maybe make a couple tweaks here and there. So yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not shocked that he would say something like, I love my jump shot and maybe, maybe not be offended, but 
want to really emphasize that he loves his jump shot. I love that part about him. Uh, and I think my favorite part about him this year has been, uh, unlike maybe some past young Timberwolves players, and I'm not, I'm not saying like Wiggins or Cat or anyone in particular, but you know, a lot of young guys, when they get cold, they kind of shell up. Anthony yeah. Edwards does not shell up. When, if he misses a few shots in a row, you know he's going to take it to the basket. You know he's going to, the second a guy goes under on a shot, he's going to think to himself, oh, I've got this one. Every time. He, his confidence doesn't waver. And there are very few rookies in, certainly in Timberwolves history, but rec- just recent memory, I can't think of too many that have that same mindset. And I think it's going to benefit him long term. It could make him one of those uh, fake or irrational confidence guys, six man, chuck up some threes off the bench kind of things. But I think it's really going to help him long term, uh, having a short memory like that. And we are back with another edition of Trivia, courtesy of Prize Brewing, which offers the Peace Offering. A smooth, easy-drinking cold-pressed stout infused with local, fresh, roasted source coffee beans, specifically selected to create harmonious notes of chocolate, berry, and nuts. It's perfect for breakfast. It's perfect for bonfires. It's it's just delicious all around. So go to prizebrewing.com for all of your beer, merch, delivery, whatever have you needs. They will be sure to help you out. With me today is Nicholas from Osseo to join us in trivia. Nicholas, how are you doing today? Doing fine. Doing fine. Hello, everyone. So, I haven't told you yet, but the theme of this week's episode is rookies. We just finished talking with Marnie Gellner and Chris Hine about Timberwolves rookies, about mostly Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels. So today's episode is going to be all about Timberwolves rookies. Are you ready? Sounds good. I am ready. Excellent. So, first question. Anthony Edwards will more than likely get some votes for Rookie of the Year, whether they be second, third place, maybe a few first if he has a good end of the year. Ket and Wiggins both won Rookie of the Year as members of the Timberwolves, but there is one other Timberwolf that has finished in the top two in Rookie of the Year voting in the last 10 years. Who is that player? Oh, goodness. In the last 10 years. Had to put that on there, didn't you? Um, Wiggins. Gosh. And of course, this is where I get stunted on the rookies. Oh my goodness. Hmm. In the last 10 years, because I'm, I'm going through the Rolodex mm-hmm. of our rookies. It, it's in not the last an impressive 10 years. list. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. And, you know, as much as I would like to point my finger at a certain somebody, uh, I can't, but man, I I have no idea. I have no clue. You want to take a stab at it? Just throw a name out there. Um, 
Let's go with. Almost everybody that I'm thinking of that would be even close is past 10 years. Um, uh, Derek Williams. Derek Williams is incorrect. Oh, In 2011-2012, Kyrie Irving won Rookie of the Year. Finishing second was Ricky Rubio. Ricky uh. Rubio. So it was almost exactly 10 years ago current timberwolf um yeah fantastic all righty so on a previous podcast we talked about who was picked first in the 1995 nba draft it was joe smith picked fifth that year was a rookie that would go on to do good things with the timberwolves i don't know if you've heard of him kevin garnett was his name heard of him neither of whom won rookie of the year in the 1995-96 season who won rookie of the year in the 1995-96 season um, gosh, it's one year after Jason Kidd. Um, let's go with, I'm trying to remember, because there were, there were a lot of really good players after Joe Smith. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say a lot. That's not, that's not right. But like, there was a good number of them, though. It was a solid yeah. number of guys that would make all-star teams. I will give you this hint, though, since you've got one wrong already. This player never made an all-star team. He played for a long time. He's not one of those guys that you're thinking. Okay. Okay. That. That's helpful. Um, and I think I picked this team to win the NCAA tournament. So I'm gonna go with Damon Stoudemire. Damon Stoudemire is correct. You nice. are one for two, Nicholas. If you get this last one correct, you will go away with our prize brewing prize package. Nice. We got one more to go, and we are bringing it all the way back to the beginning of Timberwolves time, whatever we want to call it. Timberwolves. Okay. I'm sorry for saying that. Okay. Who was the first ever Minnesota Timberwolves draft pick? Oh, uh, Pooh Richardson. You have that one ready to go right away. You are correct. Nicholas, you have come away with a prize brewing gift card, a prize brewing prize package. Nice work. Two of three. The only one you didn't get was the only thing that's happened within the last 10 years. Uh, I, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure hearing Ricky Rubio, you you just thought of it immediately after, at that point. But nice work. Uh, good going. Uh, is there a place we can find you on Twitter? Absolutely. It's at Nicholas Host. Feel free to follow. Um, feel free to banter. I enjoy that. Nicholas is always great on Twitter, always interacting. So go follow Nicholas Host. Go get some beer at Prize Brewing. They do delivery. They do the whole thing. Uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to transition a little bit here to the other Timberwolves rookie, uh, a guy I didn't expect to play this year. I, I have it on record that I expected him to get a lot of run with Iowa this year in the G League. Jaden McDaniels, who I, I don't know a soul that expected this out of him right away, but first of all, let's step back and, and, and just appreciate uh, the fact that the Timberwolves have two rookies at this caliber for the first time since, God, 
uh, Randy Foy and Craig Smith come to mind. The last time they had two rookies <laughs> that contributed. Um, Marnie or Chris, you guys can correct me if there's, if there's one more recently, but um, when I see Jaden McDaniels get interviewed, total opposite to Ant, very quiet, very shy. When I see him on the floor, different style of play, but he's just as, um, he plays just as hard. He's just as, as aggressive. He's still trying to dunk everything. Uh, when he does get to the basket, he's not afraid to shoot threes. Marnie, what, what did you see in Jaden when he entered the league? And are you surprised by what you've seen so far? Um, yeah, surprised. I didn't really do a, a big deep dive on Jaden McDaniels, but I certainly didn't have this as an expectation for him. I even think the first few times he checked into a game and played a, even a three minute stint at the end of a, of a game in, in, um, early in the season that was like, Oh man, this kid's smooth. I think Jim Pete pointed it out on a broadcast, how smooth his three point shot was just like as an instant reaction sort of, Oh, okay. This, this kid's got some flow to him. So did I expect it? No, but I hadn't really laid out like, this is what I'm thinking. Um, But also because of the program he came from at Washington where they're just not the the same thing for um, Jalen Noel, like those, it seems like those players with that system and the defense that they play, I think a lot of zone that you just don't even know what this player is going to look like on an NBA court. So I don't know that there's a fair assessment of what really to expect, but the, I keep, I, oh, keep the word that keeps coming to mind is just smooth because he's Jaden is so like controlled. He's not, he's never flailing. He's never, even when he's get, pouring his heart on the court, it's in this sort of contained controlled manner. And that may be just a gift that he has of, of how, smooth he is but um that in everything he does block shots defense shooting that's what stands out to me is just like this liquidity to him is like poetic movement to him i think that's impressive i yeah i i totally agree um he his even his defense is smooth defense isn't supposed to be something that's smooth like when i think of opposite end of the spectrum jared vanderbilt who is a Tasmanian devil who runs everywhere yeah. who uh, like Zach Harper was on this podcast recently and said like, he's that guy in a movie that is sits at the end of the bench and you throw him in just to, just to mess stuff up. Right. Jaden McDaniels, everything he does, even the weak side block shots that he has are uh, just, they're fun to watch. I think smooth is a perfect word. I don't think you can overuse it with Jaden. Uh, Chris, when you talk about Jaden positionally, there's been a lot of talk of whether or not he's a four, whether or not he's a three, what position he should play, how he fits next to cat. What do you think about him on the floor? Do you think there is a proper fit for him? I I go back and forth on this all the time. I love him stretching the floor. I like him guarding the perimeter, but he's he's really, he's pretty good in the post. He's guarded some guys that are bigger than him. that he shouldn't be able to guard. So I go back and forth about what I like, but what have you seen from him? What do you think? Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, we are in the quote-unquote positionless era of the NBA and and does it, you know, is there is there fours, is there traditional threes and 
And like you, I, I kind of go back and forth on it. Is he a four? Is he a three? I, 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 I just think right now with his, with his shot blocking ability and, and I, I think I want him more in the post than, than on the perimeter. Um, but that's not to say he, and he's done it many times where he just tracks a guy coming, coming to the basket, gets maybe trails him a little bit and then just swats it off the glass um, or just kind of stays by his side and gets the block that way or can test the sh- shot that way. And, and to, to your points about him being smooth, his ability to do that without fouling at, at this point in his career is, is remarkable. Every time, I remember early on when he was getting significant minutes uh, right around the the game in Atlanta, which is where he first entered the rotation and has really never left uh, back in January. I, I think he had a block or two in that game. And I, I remember just thinking like, he's going to foul like on this play. This is, this is going to end in a foul. And it didn't. And, and in subsequent games, these block attempts just don't end in fouls. And, and some of them do, but, but a lot of them don't. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of research into him during the draft because I thought the, he would have, he might have been a pick for the Wolves at the 17 slot. They ended up getting him later than that, obviously. Um, and, but the thing that you always came back to with him was he's a project. He's gonna he's gonna take a, a year or two to to build up his body to become quote unquote NBA ready. He's a you know and he hasn't taken a year. Uh, it's it took it took all of a, a month for him to crack the rotation pretty much. Um, so ultimately long-term, I don't know where he fits, but I think you, you, you've got to have him on the floor in some way, shape or form. Um, and I, I don't think it's a, it's necessarily a bad thing that you can't really pigeonhole him into, into a position. No, not at all. In fact, a player like him with the length he has, with the speed he has, with the ability he has to guard in the post and on the perimeter, like he's guarded Blake Griffin and Luca this year. I mean, mm-hmm. not many players can claim they can do that. And the fact that he plays within himself in a way that, like, I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to be a star player by any stretch, but I think he could be an excellent starter. Um, and that type of player fits that type of versatility and the way he plays offensively fits on virtually every roster in the NBA and like a guy like Ant who has tons of scoring potential could be an all-star could be a scoring champion. If everything goes wonderfully, he, if he doesn't reach that potential, there are certain teams and certain rosters that maybe wouldn't need, you know, a six man scoring type guy. There are no rosters in the NBA that wouldn't want Jaden McDaniels, probably at his potential. And I think that's super important uh, when looking at him. He, he, I, he has the potential to be a starter. Whether he plays the three or the four might not matter as long as he does things uh, defensively on both sides. I don't know if it will matter. Uh, but on both ends, I, I, think, it's, I think it's super important. Um, and, and I just... When, when Finch took over, <laughs> I think a lot of Wolves fans had some initial fears because if you remember he was taken out of the rotation or at least his minutes seemed to drop suddenly. And I, I don't want to criticize Finch for it. He was just learning the rotation and learning the players, but uh, this is a long winded way of getting back to what, what do you see Marty? What do you see his role being next to cat 
in the immediate. Uh, how does he fit with a Carl Anthony Towns uh, who has obviously offensive juggernaut, but struggling a little bit defensively, has always had his struggles defensively. How does, how does Jaden fit next to Cat? Is he an ideal fit or do they need to keep looking for something a little bit more ideal? Um, I mean, ideal is a strong word. Maybe it's sort of a mix and match with when you have uh, someone like Jaden, like that, that gives the Wolves some rim protection defensively that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, You also have a Nas Reed who has grown by leaps and bounds that doesn't get a lot of time next to Carl that maybe that's a nice sort of yin and yang or a piece here and there that that give you different looks and different um, flexibility. But I think with with Jaden to be to be able to be a three or a four and have that that shot blocking without fouling ability, I just think it gives someone like Chris Finch, not someone like it gives Chris Finch so much uh, flexibility to be creative and to try different things because it's not a real risky thing. I feel like to play Jaden. So then you can do more of like a, Hey, do we go, do we go small with these guys? Do we go big with these guys? Do we like it? It allows you to think a little bit more outside the box because I feel like you're short up then a little bit more because the you're just not going out on a limb as much and it's not going to blow up in your face and someone's going to go on a 20 to nothing run before you can blink. It doesn't feel like that anyway. So I guess I don't have a perfect answer to your question, Tim, because it, I don't, I think we haven't found the answer yet, but I think with this piece, it allows you to really do a lot of experimenting and figure out what that answer is. And that kind of sounds genius on my end. I think you should let Chris know. I think you got to nudge him just on the side and, and let him know that. Um, okay, we're running out of time here, but I want to I wanna thank you both so much for coming on, talking rookies with me. But before I let you go, I'm curious. Do you both remember the rookies that played for the Timberwolves the first year you covered the Timberwolves? I did, I, I did a little research, and I have the answers, but... Do you both remember, Chris? It was a little bit more recent for you. Mine, mine, you? mine are pretty easy. Uh, Josh Akogi and Kata Bates uh, Diop. That, that is correct, Marnie. Do you remember yours? Yours are incredibly uh, random. No, but is Lauren Woods one of them? Well, it depends. Were you, did you start o one o two or o two o three? O two o three. Lauren Woods was not one of them then. Was he a second year player? Yeah, he was second. Yeah, year. I have no. I, Igor Rakosovich and Mike Wilkes was the answer. Mm. Um, I was going to say those guys too. The most random players in the NBA (laughs) at the time, I think. Anyway, thank you both so much for coming on. You're both fantastic at what you do. And I'm very, very thankful that you were willing to come on this silly podcast. So thank you very much. No problem. Thank you, Tim. Tim.